Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. We've been going at it for a while now. We're in our 11th year. Almost at the end of the 11th year of this. Is that true? 2009 in the fall. An ongoing conversation twice a week for 11 years or so. Almost 11 years. With me and you and uh, me and people that come in here and you and everyone's involved. Either they're in here or they're, I'm talking to them on, uh, on the video. And we're doing it. We're getting through it, aren't we? I can't. I have no more bandwidth, folks. For fucking sad, scary shit. I have no... I just have limited bandwidth. The whole goddamn thing. The, the, the needles are going all over the place. Just like full on. I just got, I just tripped myself out into some sort of hyper dread, hyper anxiety, and then it just and then it's almost like a riddling effect. I just kind of get exhausted. Now I'm plodding through 110 degree temperatures out here. What's going on where you are? Is the sky on fire? The fucking sky's on fire. So now on top of everything else, authoritarianism fucking insanity the future of the country the future of the planet i gotta worry about my house burning down again didn't burn down before but it's just the worry of it but how are you no seriously i'm sorry i'm taking up too much time i got a lot to be grateful for i'm sober i got some money saved up uh i'm working i have good friends do you do that do you have a gratitude list all of those things make impending doom pleasant. Money in the bank, good friends, a nice place to live. Yes, I understand that. So I'm not complaining. I'm grateful. My particular impending doom, period, is relatively comfortable. Today, I talk to, uh, shortly, I will talk to Kieran Culkin. Uh, he's an Emmy-nominated actor now for playing Roman Roy in Succession. Uh, you guys know him from that, or Igby Goes Down, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the Home Alone movies with his brother Macaulay. If like, you want to do a little homework or a little backup work, I interviewed Macaulay back on uh, episode 
883, I believe, if you want to go listen to that. I like the guy. I like the Kieran Culkin. I've always liked him. I see him. I'm like, that kid seems like a solid kid. Good presence on the screen. Got a little bit of an attitude. I'd like to talk to that kid. And now I get to talk to that kid. I'm having some issues with uh, my cap. I don't know if I'm making them up. I got one cat left. I went and picked up Monkey in a box. I got Monkey in a box. And I got LaFonda in a box. And the same company, I think, cremated them, but they changed their boxes. So now I got two different types of boxes with the same cute little wooden name tags. I like it. I'm glad that they're in different boxes. One's a sort of a homemade paper outside box. You know, like it looks, uh, it's got that on the exterior. The other one's just a shinier box with Fondas. And I got them out. Is that weird to have them out? Am I supposed to hide them? They're nice boxes with nice wooden name tags on them. I got a little weird uh, sculpture of a cat doing a, a, a yoga pose or just sitting cross-legged. And it's next to that, the two of them, brother and sister. But I still got Buster here, and now Buster is being showered with more attention than he's ever had from me, and I'm not sure he likes me. I just don't, uh, I don't know. I think he liked being neglected. I think he liked having um, a buffer. There's no old man buffer. It's just one, it's an old man human, and uh, and that guy, and Buster. I don't know what to make of it. I think he looks for Monkey sometimes. I think he smells where Monkey was. I think he, I see him sitting where Monkey was sitting. It makes me very sad. That we're both looking and knowing. We're both knowing that our, our, our friend is gone, but his is a little different. I got to be careful not to project too much human feelings on him. I got to not make assumptions that he's experiencing whatever he's experiencing like a human. Obviously, he likes me. I feed him. But it's a little weird. It's a little weird. I mean, Monkey, I was with for 16 years and we had an understanding. I don't think I've reached an understanding with this cat. And he's a weirdo, but he'll fetch, which is cool. Um, did I mention my car got recalled? There's some things in it that were not safe. Need the car. Need to be able to drive away if I have to. Drive somewhere. Just turn the fucking phone off. Oh, my God. This has just come up on my phone. California hit by nearly 11,000 lightning strikes, sparking more than 350 fires as thousands flee over the last 72 hours. And I don't have a fucking car. Got to get out. Going to get out. So this show, I, as you've noticed, Brian Cox has been on. I've talked to uh, Sarah Snook. Kieran Culkin is part of some dynasty... Uh, a strange acting dynasty that I didn't think he would talk about, but he fucking, he talked about it. I walked to the fucking Ralph's supermarket in 108 degrees uh, yesterday. And it's weird when you start the walk in 108 degrees, you're like, nah, it's not so bad. But then when it comes down on you, it's almost like all the moisture leaves your body and it and, and you're walking through invisible sludge. And I carried a fucking watermelon home like I'm some kind of hero. In 109 degrees temperature, I walked four blocks, bought a watermelon, and walked it four blocks home. Hero. 
Got to knock on those watermelons. I don't know how you're doing it, but I've I've figured out a way. It looks stupid. I'll remind people. I hold it up, stick my ear on it, knock on it with the other hand. And if it sounds like a wooden door, that's your fucking ticket. That's your watermelon. Okay, let's let's just do this. Please be careful out there. Don't burn up. All right? Try I don't even know what I'm encouraging you to stay alive for, but let's let's do it together. All right, so Kieran Culkin is nominated for an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series in the role of Roman Roy on Succession. This is me and Kieran Culkin coming up. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcast. Hey man. Hello. How's it going? I'm here. I can't believe I fucking made it. I think I'm only one minute late, which is a fucking miracle. It's crazy. Like the baby woke up an hour earlier than we thought while my wife's sandwiches arrived 20 minutes late. So there was the, I'll hold the baby while you slice the cucumber and eat a sandwich. And then she finishes the sandwich. I got to go. She's got a shit. So shower and then the, oh shit. Do I have coffee? Oh fuck, I do. Uh, I said I was running 10 minutes late and then I realized, no wait, I'm wearing a shirt. I got coffee. What the fuck am I saying? I don't have to be late. I'm here. <laughs> you just have to walk down the hall. I even have like, you should check this shit out. I got like lights, like proper fucking these lights behind me. I have a green screen that I can pull up. I shot something here, and they let me keep all this very expensive equipment, and now I have to throw it out, I guess. I don't know why I kept well, it. Well, you can, once you figure out how to use it, I mean, you're, you know, relatively intelligent person, right? Uh, not with that stuff. I feel like I learned how to use the VCR and the DVD player and Laserdiscs. Once, like, we got to streaming services, I just don't know how they work. What's going on, man? You all right? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of those you're not supposed to complain so i just really try to not complain everything's great how old's the kid 11 months yesterday so so it's like tiny it's like a little kid she's amazing yeah um but it's yeah it's one of those oh okay i need to be ready at 2 15 i'll give myself a half an hour because really i need 10 minutes and that's what things things don't work that way and i feel like i've heard other parents say like you can't say let's do something at 2 30 it's let's do something between two and four and it doesn't matter how much experience I get and how much we plan, I'll, I'll just never be on time. 
I was today. I was one minute late. I'm, this is a miracle. I feel like I forgot something. No. Yeah, well, is the the kid is with a human? Yes. So okay. that's <laughs> part. Yeah. And I managed to change a shit diaper before I left too. So I felt like, okay, at least I did something. My poor wife just has her on it. I can't, uh, I can't really imagine it. I don't have kids and I'm an old man and I didn't have any and uh, I don't regret it. And when I hear about it, it sounds uh, exciting, but I, I still don't uh, like nothing you're saying is making me go, ah, fuck, I should have. That honestly was the same way I felt. And it, like, it is the greatest thing in the world. So it really is like, I would tell you it's definitely worth it, but I can imagine myself having not had kids and go, yeah, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to not have sleep, not be able to do the things I want to do? and just be stressed all the time and fighting with my wife. Why would I want to do that? Um, <laughs> and you made it to however old you are without it. Yeah, I got to yeah, I got to be 37. Uh, I did the whole single life shit. And then it's weird because then we have a kid and then she starts crawling around and walking and I go, here's another thing I never thought I'd do. Let's buy a house upstate. Now I want a freaking pool in a backyard and all this shit that I never wanted. We're not going to get it, but... Um, have you been looking? We started to, and then my wife sort of had a panic of like, why would I do that? Like, why would I move to a big house where nobody is around me? Well, I mean, you know, we'll see how everything unfolds. It might be the best solution. Here. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't figured this out. Yeah, I mean, I, I so you had the kid. So the kid was like, what, f six months old? And then all of a sudden, it's like you can't leave your house. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was it. And that was kind of nuts. And we have a tiny... Uh, like 600 square foot one bedroom apartment that I moved into when I was 19 when I moved out of my mom's house um, and you still then, have that place we're still there but I, what I did is about a month after the lockdown I rented this little studio here downstairs yeah put extra money at it and that was for three reasons that was to in case one of us got sick and we had to self-quarantine it was for work things like this and to get my fucking face out of my wife's face that's sort of a, a loose quote so what from her? Mm -hmm. uh, what? Uh, so <laughs> you, do you have any furniture in that room, or is it just the yeah. the lights that you stole? And, and this a is desk? kind of disgusting. Uh, the The last tenant left the bed, and the super was like, "Oh, I'll get rid of this." I said, "No, it's all right." And so I bought like a rubber mattress cover uh, that still stinks, so the bed just smells of rubber. And you know, I put our clean sheets on it. And then whenever somebody throws out furniture, because when since the this thing happened, uh, so many people in this building have moved out, so they just leave their furniture in the lobby, and I'll grab it. I have a nightstand, I got a desk, um, I got all sorts of shit that people throw out, and I just drag it into this apartment, wipe it down with you know, yeah. the, the antibacterial wipes I could find were like pineapple smells. So this apartment smells like rubber and pina colada. It's disgusting. <laughs> Man, it sounds like you're living the life. It's wow, so fucking glamorous. I'm also getting fat as shit, which. Uh, while I'm wearing this neckerchief. Oh, that's not a, a face mask. That's to hide your second chin. It's it's actually a face mask, but it does it does do both. But now that I've mentioned it, I gotta get rid of it so I can't be that vain. Yeah, I put on about five myself, and I'm I'm kind of obsessing about that today. I don't know what the fuck to do about it. That's it. Five. Fuck you with yeah. your five. What'd you put on? You're Closer to fifteen, and I, I've lost a couple. I I, I threw the scale away because I was tired of looking at it. And yeah, because you when you when it, when you got nothing to do, you can look at it a few times a day, right? I just don't want, and then it's like, oh, that's inaccurate. There's no way. There's no way I weigh that. And then I just put on like the sh my sleep time shirt, you know, the shirt that's really big and it's yeah. my belly's pushing it out. So it's hanging off the side of my body. So that's how I judge it. It's like when I wear, and I can only wear this has like already my daughter's got food on it. I, this is one of the few, like two or three shirts I can wear. So I always weigh myself like 
I make sh- this is how fucking nuts I am when I'm in it because I was I was okay for a while and then you know shit got sad and dark here and I started eating everything. Like I'll I'll make sure I pee, like right when I get up I pee out. Like I'll get on a scale, and if it's like nine, like one, <laughs> like if it's one, like one seventy eight point five, I'll go piss and get back on the scale and be like one seventy eight. I'm okay with that, you know. And then start my have <laughs> I have to do it right when I get up and I have to make sure there's no liquid in me. I take my watch off. Makes it shave your body hair. Just get exactly. right. Yeah, it's that crazy. I'm I'm close to my goal weight. Yeah, yeah. people supposed to like exercise too. Like I even saw a commercial yesterday for like some sort of workout. I don't even know what it was for. I just saw a bunch of people working out. Like, Who the hell is exercising? Who's you're not going to the gym? I guess people that have a gym in their house. I go up. Uh, I go out the mountain. I go hiking and shit. I'm definitely trying to you know stay active because I don't. You know, I'm here alone. You've got you're engaged with. Uh, an infant yeah. and a and a wife and emotions and uh, things. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> we're in Manhattan, so it's like a, okay, we gotta get go out. So pack up the stroller and start walking, but try to like keep six foot distance. And why isn't that asshole wearing a mask? And right. Do you do you ever do the siblings have kids? I can't. Rem- like I talked to you. I t- I talked to your brother. I talked to Macaulay. He. Does he have one? He doesn't have one, does he? No, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the first. And who knows? Probably only because when they hear my escapades, I think they might have the same sort of reaction you do of like, why would I do that? Um, if I'm like, I have to speak honestly because this isn't just trying to cover my track. It really is like I don't sleep. But when I wake up exhausted, I just think of my daughter's face. And it's really like, I know it sounds corny and whatever. And I had a friend who had kids who said it's every cliche you've ever heard because it just is. Like she yeah. It, the meaning of everything. So when I go up to that apartment, she sees me and she just gets this big smile and slaps. She crawls really fast over to me and just tries to crawl up me desperately, like pick me up. And it's the greatest feeling in the world. (laughs) Well, that's good, man. It sounds, I'm happy for you. How long have you been with uh, your wife? Almost nine years. Oh my God. So take, take that. Then like nine years of being together and put us in a tiny apartment during a pandemic with a baby that wasn't sleeping and say, Hey, you two get along. Right. What does she do? Is she in the biz? No, no, she's not. She worked. She's one of those, like she worked in advertising, but I never was quite sure what she did. Just sort of like the music side of advertising. Yeah. I don't know what that means. You know, people say things. I, I, you would be surprised how many people I talk to that aren't really sure what their parents did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, that's a good call. Um, I vaguely, I know my mo- mom worked nights, and she worked for like an answering service, which took till I was thirty to finally ask her and say, "What does that mean?" Right. <laughs> it's an answering service. Yeah, I guess. People- well, that well that they they used to exist answering services. I remember, like you could, you you know, it was a number you call. They'd pick up your like my dad was a doctor, so he had an answering service, and you, he'd have to call the answering service to see if anyone called. You know, now we have. Yeah, voicemail. And yeah, it was stuff. like hospitals and stuff too. But also, she said she did a lot of like um, for casting people. Like, she, like the casting people would tell her who got the part, and she would reach out or you know something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. So she talked to a lot of actors. She says she remembers calling a few actors to tell them they had the part in something. Really? And that was like a fun experience for her. Yeah. So it was a sp- specific type of answering service. Yeah, I guess. Now I got a question for you, and just like because I it was struck my mind when I was coming over here. Now. I, I know you guys don't like talking about your old man, but okay. did he think did he think that 
did he think he had a racket going? Like, was he like, I'm going to make all of these, <laughs> like, was it a big plan? Like, because it seems to me if, we, if you're going to make a plan to make money, you know, you know, making seven kids act is not the most lucrative idea. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good point. Cause like, how the hell is that going to work? Like how, like he struggled his whole life to do it himself. Now he's going to try to throw seven kids at the wall and see what sticks. I, I just, yeah, I'm trying to figure out like, what was the intention? He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a million bucks on these fucking kids. <laughs> that's a good point. I would have to, you know, the, the problem is, is my memories of that are from the perspective of a seven, eight, nine year old. So I, I you know, yeah. Try to process but, that. But looking back on it, I mean, do you think, do you think it was, you know, it was because he had, like, it was, you, he was so narcissistic that you were all just an extension of his desire to succeed in what he chose? There's that possibility. Um, I also feel like they were just drowning in kids and life. Um, what they, my parents' sort of life <laughs> was, when I remember it, was they had this very, very small apartment. It was a rail, railroad apartment, is that what they call them? Right, all the way through? No separating doors except for the bathroom, which, and the door didn't properly shut all the way, and there was no shower, just like a rusted tub. So a, literally no boundaries, emotional no, or physical. This is an apartment that is barely suitable for a couple, and they put seven kids in it. They slept on a mattress on the floor next to the crib, and then the next section of the apartment was four bunk beds that housed six of the other kids, and then the kitchen. And it was like, and I've seen pictures of it when I see like childhood pictures, like, oh, look how cute. Oh, birthday. God, this place is filthy. But like, I can't blame my mom. When is she going to have time? And I say my mom because I don't call my dad ever cleaning. My mom, like, she worked nights. She, she would work all night at this answering service. Sometimes she would bring a kid with her, like the baby, and then come home in the morning, get the kids and husband ready, husband to work, kids to school, and then the younger kids, some nursing, the others she's looking after, and try to clean the place. And then I just don't think she slept for several years. Yeah. Because you would do that and then go to work at night. And then I think my father was, I think the only thing he ever really did was acting, and he um, that didn't really work. And then I think at one point, he's quite literally drowning in his life. Uh, I don't know if it was like, well, you know, you know, sometimes people on the farm put their young kids to work because they just need some help. It could have been like, I don't know how to feed you guys. So just help forward for food. <laughs> it really could have just been that. My mom says like they could never afford rent for the last like two months of the year. And the I think the landlord or whatever just would let it go because he basically saw their life and was like, yeah, if I called child services, they would just take your kids away. Um, they would have, right? Probably. Yeah. Um, why'd they have so many? I mean, why, why didn't anyone put a stop to that? Yeah. Who, someone get, don't put your dick in that. Like what? Who's yeah. going to stop? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to, whose place is it? Look, you're 37 and you have one. How the fuck? I don't, unless they're Orthodox Jews or crazy Catholics, I don't know how someone has seven fucking kids. I don't know either. They just, nothing else to do, but smoke pot and bone. I, I don't know. Like, and we did go to Catholic school, but we weren't really like very religious. I think we did that because my father was able to get some sort of hookup. Like he worked for the church and that's yeah. his kids were able to go to that school. Oh, okay. That's so, oh, so he was brought up Catholic, that guy. I guess, yeah, but again, we weren't very religious unless it was like Easter, and then we'd all for some reason go to fucking mass or whatever. Would you character? Were they like hippie guys? Was he a hippie guy? I guess so, kinda, yeah. I just can't fathom it. So many kids. It's like he created this kind of like weird little uh, actor sweatshop child labor thing. I mean, yeah, it's almost like because again, I don't really know. So it's me trying to piece it together. It was um, 
because he was sort of in that world, even though he hadn't worked for a few years, uh, neighbor friends were running uh, like an off off Broadway theater company on the Upper East Side. And whenever they needed a kid, they would think like, oh, well, these guys, they have like seven of them. Like, what age do you want? What gender? Just fucking pick one. You want two, three? Take them. Here's an understudy. And so I think it sort of started like that. And then if I remember, my father just had a camera and took our like headshots out in the park one day. And there's with my brother, Mac, like there's some with him with glasses. He doesn't wear glasses. But it was just like to, you know, do these. He can play a kid with glasses. And, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we went to open call auditions or what, but I do remember like going into auditions and my father kind of coaching me on like what to say or what to do, like walk in and hand you the headshot, even though that wasn't what you were supposed to do, but they thought that was so adorable for a six year old to like hand over his resume and headshot. So how old were you when like, uh, when Mac got the, the big gig? Yeah. Uh, seven, I think. God damn, man. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the shift after that fucking thing hit for yeah. For everybody, I mean, it must have been crazy, because that was like all over the place. I mean, it it obviously put the zap on his head a little bit, but I mean, just as the rest of the family, I mean, it was all over the place. Yeah, it was. It was nuts, um, and it was able to sort of register that and understand it, but also, you know, you're like, still a kid. Yeah. So I remember thinking the house we lived in was huge, because and I thought I was lucky because I had a trunk of toys, you know, and then. Um, Suddenly, we're moving into a brownstone. I'm like, how did this happen? People can live. Right. This? Holy shit! Oh, Mac, he's famous. He's hosting Saturday Night Live. Cool. It's crazy. And you do wait. So, when was the first time you were like that? Was you were like, how did it work? Was it because I know that at some point all you guys had the same agent? Is that how it worked? Probably. I mean, my father tried to like get everybody at different times like into the business, and some just like would not. Like, I remember my sister Cody like basically the equivalent of like clutching onto the doorway, like don't make me audition. Like she just wouldn't do it. And my brother Chris was sort of the same way, but he sort of pushed all of us a little bit. My brother Shane was on Broadway as a kid in our town. Um, and so he sort of had that trajectory at a young age. And it, it was, I don't know, like my, my wife telling me that she said, uh, she saw me on the cover of like a DVD and saw my name. She goes, Oh, I guess he's, uh, I guess he's trying to act now. He's trying to jump on the bandwagon. I'm like, actually, I've been doing it for the same amount of time. But, you know, that's a fair sort of assessment. But, like, my, I guess my question was, was it sort of like, a, you know, when, when one of you would get a part, if they needed a brother or a sister, they'd be like, we got we got the real ones. You want? Yeah, like my brother Rory plays, like, a younger version of me in a movie and a younger version of Mac in a movie. <laughs> He also plays Mac's younger brother in a movie. Um, he's played my younger brother in a movie. Like he and I play brothers. Yeah, there's there's things like that. My brother Chris and I play brothers in a movie. There was a lot of like, hey, look no further. You can get two for one here. <laughs> yeah. But what is it? Did any of you guys really? Because tr- like it, it seems like you all fit on screen pretty well, or the three that I can draw to memory of you. And it seems to be a genetic thing for some people. I don't. I don't know how it works. Because how were you guys really trained? Any of you? No, no. I've never. I. I it was one of those. It wasn't until I was like in my thirties, I would say, when I finally gave up on the thought of I, I'm probably going to go to school for this. I kept thinking like maybe I should learn how to do what I'm, what I've been doing for the last fifteen years. Uh, and eventually, I just went. Eh, I guess I'm already doing it. It's fine. <laughs> that was. And you were doing it at a pretty high level. Yeah, I guess. 
What do you think, like, if you think about it, what, why is it so natural? I mean, I don't know if that's a question that's answerable. Is it? I mean, because Macaulay didn't take classes either, did he? No, nobody in the nobody in the family did any of that stuff. What the fuck? Did you like when you were kids? What were you, what were you doing? Was there was it performative? Did you did you guys go to school or anything? Or yeah, definitely went to school. It, it, to me, like it's funny because it feels like a normal childhood. Even though if I look back at it, it probably wasn't. But I don't really know what normal fucking means anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, unless, unless you were like, I think that most people think their childhood is okay unless there's trauma you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's what seems to fuck up people's memory it's like it was pretty good except for the time i got locked in a closet for a week by my grandfather you, you know what i mean <laughs> and that could actually ruin the entire childhood i've talked to people T- totally they tell me one experience they had and i'm like oh that actually ruined their entire childhood yeah it just corrupted their memory of it yeah yeah definitely do that i had a nice childhood um There were so many kids. I mean, you didn't have to, you didn't have to go out and find friends. There was, you just walked down the hall. That's exactly right. There was always someone to play with, but there were friends at school. School was fun. Summers were fun. I actually liked being on set. The only part that was ever hard was like, if I was shooting something as a, when I was nine, like shooting, I was in Father of the Bride, like in LA at the Sheridan Universal Hotel, which is a possible room that I was sharing with my dad for like three months. And I was like, the set is fun. This little pillbox of a room is not. They gave you a shit room? <laughs> I recently talked to Nancy Myers. She's like, I'm sorry about that. I was like, that's not your fault. Like, let's put up in a hotel. It's fine. I was nine. Yeah. My little like, Ziploc bag of toys, which sounds really sad now. I think about it. <laughs> Ziploc bag of toys. Well, that hotel's like not by anything. I mean, like, I don't even know what was the theme park was, I guess, open by that point. But I know that hotel. They used to put you up there. Universal used to put you up there, right? Yeah, and that was because it was right near the studio. And it's not like I'm nine. Like I'm not gonna like. Where's the New Year's coffee shop? Like I don't care. Like, I just, yeah. <laughs> but but was your dad difficult to to live with for three months? He doesn't. He was the kind of guy who doesn't really bathe. And yeah. you know, one of those guys who it's like you try to tell him he stinks. He's like, I smell human. Um, which doesn't make just bathe every now and again. My mom has a memory. My, because he actually would, it sounds like, like you were exaggerating. He just like wouldn't bathe. Maybe about once a year, he would take a bath. Come on. No, that's actually like true. He just didn't bathe. So he took a bath in the apartment once while we were all at school. And my sister, Cody, she was a teenager. She walked in. My mom was there. She walked in, smelled the air and went, ew, did dad take a bath? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like seeing there would be like layers of film, like dirt film on the side of the tub. Come just- on. Just an offensive man. I think it was like, I think it was a little bit like, say something. Yeah, I know I stink. And I'm waiting in line right next to you. Say something. I dare you. Well, I mean, it, you're sort of explaining a guy that clearly wasn't taking his acting career too too uh, seriously. I mean, you can't really go into an audition and have the people go like, what, is, what just happened in here? What does that stink? He would be really huh? great as the homeless guy. Maybe that's what he was going for. My mom says when she met him and asked what uh, he did, he said an actor. And she immediately said she looked at his teeth and thought he must be lying. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> this guy seemed like he needed help. Yeah. <laughs> he had teeth growing in sideways. They were yellow and falling out. He was also afraid of the dentist. What the fuck? This is fun. I haven't, like, talked about him in a while. <laughs> it, sounds like you're so, it sounds like you're describing this weird, you know, like, hermit that, you know, you all had to deal with. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 
it's funny now because it's like now I'm a dad. I'm like, you know what? I must not be doing such a bad job. I at least shower every day. I take care of my feet. Um, <laughs> Has that you don't talk to that guy at all? No, no. He came to see. I uh, did a play. Fucking what the hell was it? I was going to say five, fucking six years ago. I think uh, this is our youth. It was the uh, Broadway, and he came to see that. And I hadn't seen him at that point for like 17 years or something like that. And he came backstage and it was about a year after his stroke. Um, and last time I saw him, I was little. So I just didn't know, like, you know, to me, he was still tall. Um, he had to climb up three flights of stairs to come see me. And he was like 70, survived the stroke. And the first thing I said when I saw him was like, holy shit, you really let yourself get old. And dead serious, he was like leaning on a cane or an umbrella or some shit. He's like, I did, Kieran, I did. That's the fucking thing about the, uh, and I'm assuming he's narcissistic. It's like, they're they're always going to like immediately try to suck you into their sadness. Yeah, I actually thought it was kind of fun. And he didn't, um, uh, yeah, because I think he, he is one of those people. I think you're right. He kind of wants people to feel bad for him. You know? uh -huh. He tried to like really leaning on stuff. And I was just like, sit down or don't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And he hasn't like he, he he hasn't started pestering you because you have a kid. He doesn't want to see the kid. He doesn't want to. I'm not sure that he knows how to contact us. Really, like I was in a show, so he knew he can go to that theater. Um, but I don't. Oh, really? So he's really out of the loop. Oh yeah, he has been forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, my brother Shane has some sort of loose contact with him. So sometimes, like I got a letter from him after that uh, that I still haven't read. Actually, I forgot about until just now. Um, that he sent to my brother Shane. So there's a little bit of contact. So you can probably find out. I don't know if he knows the kid, if he's a grandpa. I don't know. You know, my father, he, my brother has kids and he doesn't seem to really, doesn't seem to move him much. You know, they, they, it's, it's not changing him in any way. He doesn't feel like he has to go spend time with the kids. You got to figure if they were shitty fathers, maybe they'll be a good grandparent or maybe they just won't give a shit. Yeah, you, you, yeah. I don't know. I guess I just don't have never had any like expectations of that like uh, sometimes you think that certain people are gonna go crazy like we had a kid and you think like all my siblings gonna be like that's amazing but really some of them are like oh cool congratulations so what do you how's work how's the you know uh, and some are just like crazy about like my brother chris is like crazy about his niece um well that's nice really enthusiastic yeah and others are like oh she's really cute how are you like you know i don't know it must be weird uh, to to grow up in a, in in a specific way that you did, you know, I, I guess you you would know how all your your siblings feel about children or about their childhood. But what was it that did you all connect around something? Did you have something you all did? Because it sounds like the given your mother's you know busy all the time in a way, and your dad's like you know kind of uh, self involved and smelly. What'd you guys do for fun at home? Uh, like everything, all the same thing. There was sort of a wolf pack mentality a bit i think uh i watched some home videos that i found like right when the lockdown started uh um i remember there was like a video we had of st patrick's day so this was like right around st patrick's day so i tried to look at that i ended up watching all this home video stuff and um it would be like we'd all be at the water park and you know there's seven of us so it would always be like one was making sure the other one was here and there and it was like we were all taking care of each other and looking after each other and there was always my mom was always holding one baby and the other one was like latched to her. And the one that was just a little too old was maybe being held by the oldest brother. And there was that kind of thing. So it's funny because um, 
like it is like we're the only ones who understand our whatever our weird situation was right and it is like i think my wife says sometimes she feels like the third wheel of like my sister comes around or something because she just uh-huh. can't, can't quite get in there with what sort of upbringing. oh you guys are locked in yeah but we did like i remember having a nice childhood it was just like playing it was fun like i still like you know like if we get together we'll still play the same old nintendo games and stuff we used to play back then um oh really you have them Oh, I have. I'm. I'm apparently the collector. When they outgrow the Super Nintendo, I get it and get the games. And I just have. I have everybody's old toys and game systems and shit. Oh, really? And you just you, and you kind of pull them out when people come over. Yeah, actually, I kind of play them by myself a lot too. Baby goes to sleep. I, Aren't you guys all wrestling freaks too? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Big big wrestling fan. And uh, I've been the one that's been consistently a wrestling fan, uh, whereas the others sort of been in and out. But they're kind of obsessive. Yeah. How long have you been into the wrestling? Since, let's see, WrestleMania 5, probably, when the Mega Powers collided. Um, so mid-80s, I would say, mid to late 80s. And then when the Ultimate Warriors, his rise to fame, when he took on Hulk Hogan, when it was champion, uh-huh. champion you know, WrestleMania 6, of course. Were all you guys into it? Yeah, and then, like, you know, one by one, like, my brother Shane, I think, uh, when he was like, probably something like 13, there was a character named The Undertaker who showed up, and I remember him looking at the cover of WWE Magazine. He goes, are, are, are we supposed to believe that this man is actually dead? This is stupid, and he threw down the magazine, and that was his exit from wrestling. <laughs> like, he felt like his intelligence was being insulted. That was the line, huh? You're yeah. not going to, there no zombies. Yeah. <laughs> He's undead. There's a yeah. guy carries an urn, and that's his source of power. This is stupid. What do you like? What What do you think you What do you think locked you into it? Do you just like the spectacle of it, or it's the stories? Favorite form of escape. Um, uh, really? There's nothing. There's I, I've never watched a wrestling. So, so sometimes I'll watch a TV show, and I can't fully escape. I watch wrestling, and I I'll never go. Oh, that's exactly like what I'm dealing with in my life. There's just never, oh, I really relate to this character because his struggles are like, it just will never be that. Right. Um, and it's a lot, you actually probably know this because I was going to ask you, uh, have you been watching wrestling since your show? Not really. I, you know, I've talked to wrestlers over the years. Like, uh, you know, I've interviewed, you know, we used to have um, Mick Foley. Um, oh, Mick amazing, yeah. Yeah, and you know, cause he used to, I, when I used to, used to do political radio, over at Air America, he, you know, he's a very active guy. He does a lot of causes and real sweet guy. But, you know, he walks in, he's huge. He lumbers in, he's just beaten. He's almost disfigured most of the time. He's hobbled. Yeah. But uh, but he was a real deal. He's missing an ear and a few teeth. But in terms of the show, in terms of research, it was never my thing as a, as a kid. But I did learn from these guys. And I also talked to Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana, yeah. who does that kind of old school, kind of retro, uh, independent wrestling, which is like no frills. The, the story is within the match, whereas like what you watch on TV, it's like it's episodic, it's a soap opera, and like you get story that leads to the match. Whereas if you go to right. like, an indie show, the story is being told without words, just in the ring with the wrestling. Match, you know. You can yeah. T- so I learned about that stuff, and I talked to um, Chavo, the guy who trains the girls. And his uncle was a big uh, wrestler guy. So I talked to them on set, but, you know, and I learned about the heel and I learned about the dynamics of it. And I had to, in the last season, I did a little refing, 
but it was never my thing. But I, I certainly understand and respect it because before I did glow, you know, I would dismiss it. And, you know, that's problematic because relatively smart people like yourself and my producer uh, enjoy the wrestling. Yeah, it's really easy to take a look because people's memories of it are still from the 80s. These really coked up, ripped guys going, scream at the camera. And, and like, you know, one guy was actually a garbage man who was a wrestler. Like, it was just like kind of horseshit silliness in the 80s. And it's easy to look at that and just see that and think that it's stupid. But it's a lot less choreographed than people think. Um, it's a live performance, sometimes in front of 20,000 people and on live television. Uh, where they know the result, but they don't quite know how they're going to get there. And you see them with like the thing that really interests people when they don't know it is like the referee has a little, you know, thing in his ear talking to a director in the back, giving notes to them and making adjustments. These are real athletes in a fake sport doing, you know, plays without words. It's kind of amazing. But when it's shit, it's like the most embarrassing thing. There are so many times weekly where I'm embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Right. Look at yeah, because it's just like, that's not the stuff we like. They think we like this crap. I want to see the wrestling. Like, for example? Just the soap opera aspect of like, I don't know, like, you, you stole my girl or something. Sometimes the writers run out of ideas. And I had a feud once where somebody accidentally spilled coffee on the other. So he beat uh-huh. him up. And that was how that, that's how they started to feud. It was just stupid. Or, or when uh, when it becomes more about the uh, you, you'd rather they do the acting without talking and just through wrestling as opposed to actually acting. Yeah, stop it already. Yeah, <laughs> like just just get just fight. Like, okay, I get it. I actually fast forward now. I'm like, oh, okay, so these guys are going to start having a feud. Okay, and I'll just fast forward until the match happens. Like, shut up. Right. Um, Colt Cabana. Um, oddly enough, we'll probably have to change it after this podcast. But Colt Cabana is actually mine and my wife's safe word. <laughs> <laughs> is that true that's actually true yeah <laughs> uh, well there you go i'm sure he'll be flattered somehow mm-hmm. and yet it's good that you chose two words you know yeah it just doesn't yeah well that's interesting so we can go from there to your relationship with uh with uh, jay smith cameron on succession okay so the <laughs> From wrestling to to well to safe word to oh. uh, the interesting sexual dynamic that you have with that character who you know very well. I mean, she, he's she's married to to uh, Kenny Lonergan, and you guys how how did that relationship start with you and Kenneth Lonergan? Um, well, he did a movie you can count on me in ninety nine or two thousand that my brother Rory was in. So again, it's all like in the family. So he, well, he played the son, right? I just watched that again. You can count on me. Yeah, he's he's the son. He's Laura Linney's son. Yeah, spectacular freaking movie. And um, my mom likes to credit, you know, uh, her herself slash Rory with the fact that that like right after that, Kenny and Jay had a kid. She's like, I knew it. He wanted to hang out with his this kid. And now he wanted a kid in his own. It's probably just not true at all. Um, but I remember him being around. Like you know, he would take Rory out and play dates and stuff like that. So then I started working with him on This Is Our Youth. I did like four productions of that play over the course of like 12 years. Uh, oh, I was going to mention him earlier because he was one who said uh, after he had his daughter, um, I said, you know, I was giving my reasons for not wanting to have a kid. And I said, but isn't it like you don't get to do the stuff that you want? And he goes, yeah, that's true. But your wants change. Like, for example, I'm having a nice time hanging out with you, but I'd much rather be home with my daughter. Right. <laughs> Which was like right. Really- it was a way of saying, uh, can we wrap this up? I'm done talking. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I know I've known him for years and Jay, uh, and when Jay got cast in the show, I was really pumped about it. Also her character was initially written to be a man and she came in and auditioned and they liked her. Oh, which was oh it's cool. great. And you, didn't you, weren't you going in for some other character? It was sent to me to read for cousin Greg, but I just was not at all that guy. Like I, I saw, firstly, I saw that it was like Greg 26. I was like 35 or some shit at the time. And I'm like, okay, I'm too old for this and I'm not, not the guy, but I liked the script enough to just keep reading. Yeah. And saw the character Roman was like, oh shit. Well, apparently they weren't even reading Romans at that time. I just said, uh, well, can I just put myself on tape anyway? So I just picked like three scenes and sent it. And that's how it went down? Yeah. They weren't even like looking at Romans yet. They were doing it in a certain order, I guess. So... With Lonergan, because I've talked to him and he's, you know, a, a, a very intelligent, uh, thoughtful guy and obviously a, a genius uh, writer of theater. I mean, is that relationship, did, did you find that that was educational for you, having done all those plays with him? Did he direct you many times as a child or was it just the, the writing? Well, I mean, it was, I think the first time I worked with him, I was 20, 19 or 20. Yeah. Uh, uh, he doesn't, he's, he didn't direct me in that. I did. I had a very small part in his movie, Margaret. Uh, yeah, that was good. You like the stoner boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. And that was one where, like, yeah, I really wanted that part, and he wanted me for another one. And there was, like, this is before I knew him well, but he was getting frustrated that I wouldn't audition for the part he wanted me to play, and I just really wanted to audition for the other. And it was one of those, like, I'll let you audition for both, but I'm never going to cast you as that. And I was, you know, I said, fine, I'll audition for both, but I'll never play that. Um, so it was eventually like a back and forth he eventually just offered me that other part and I said no let me audition for this one it took a lot of convincing same with this is our youth like uh, he he told me eventually like he didn't want me to be cast as the part I ended up playing on Broadway because I wasn't tall um, and that part's supposed to be tall that took a lot of you know convincing um, but he's I definitely a, a fucking genius um, and I think he's probably the best writer uh, I've worked with. Um, and he, so this is working with him. It has taught me a lot, but it's been so different from what I'm doing on succession because Kenny will tell you like, you missed the comma in that sentence. And I'll be like, well, so what? I think it flows better like this. And he's like, put the comma in, you put the comma in and it just changes the whole scene. And he's right. Like, you know, you drop an uh in the middle of a sentence and the, the, the line doesn't work the same. It doesn't have the same meaning. So he's right. Wow. He's very meticulous about how his words are to be said because he knows, he, you know. Right. So that's what I'm used to. Um, and then I get on the show like Succession where the writing is brilliant and I'll say something. Sorry, I forgot to put the, the uh in the middle. And they're like, fuck it. Do whatever you want. It's fine. I was just talking to a friend of mine about Succession. And they were kind of like... Um... But I had the same thing too. It's like, oh, I don't really like any of the people. And it's like, well, you will because mm-hmm. these are, this is not a real landscape. This is a satire and, and, the, and the language is elevated. And eventually because of the language, which is sort of neutered from regular human emotions, uh, you'll find yourself sympathizing with these people that are locked in these traps of this fucking, you know, wealth and privilege. Oh, that's because I haven't figured out what it is that makes me like... A- the thing is, I had the exact same thing when I was reading the scripts and while we were shooting, like one, two, three, four, five episodes into shooting and reading the scripts. I was thinking, I mean, I can tell this is good quality. The writing is great. Um, I feel like we're doing a good job, but I don't know who the hell is going to want to watch the show. <laughs> and 
somewhere around shooting like episode six, I came home and my wife said, how was work? And I said, I think it's good. She's like, really? That's the first time I heard you say that. And I was like, yeah, I think we might, I think we might have something here. The thing about succession, I think that what happens is, is that somehow or another, I don't know who those guys are, but the language of it is specific and and it's and it's calculated and it's designed. That what I started to realize about it is that these people don't talk like this, but this is about power. So like all this language, all these jokes, all this sort of sarcasm is is about power. And and these are still human beings, you know, trapped in this language. And 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 that starts to, I think, come out a few episodes in. I think it is natural language for them. I think this is this is what they were like, especially the siblings. They grew up around this kind of language. So this is normal for them. I don't think I guess I guess you'd have to think that as an actor. But I still see it as uh, 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 like uh, there there is an element of an, an, an exercise to it, because like if you watch your character or any of the kids, that when they do actually have emotions within this language, you know, the, you you feel the intensity of it so much more because you're like, oh, look, the, look, there's a person in there. You right. know, under- it's funny because when they do get like sort of emotional, they stumble on their words and they kind of don't, almost don't know what to say because they can't put up the wall of the bullshit language that they learn. Like Kendall gets really upset and starts going, I, I'll chop your uh, dick off and get an octopus jerk off your 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 you know, he just can't get it out because he's upset right um, what's it like working with that guy oh here we go i'm gonna just talk a bunch of shit about my fellow actors on a well they're all they're, it seems like they're all pretty solid everybody everybody's great and everybody has been um man it's it's crazy everyone just has like a different process and it's not just the actors but it really has this feel this is gonna sound like i'm I don't know, like they want me to say this shit. This is just what it actually is. This is a real actual dream job because it. everybody that shows up on set, everybody in every department it has come together to try to really make this thing because they believe in it. So it really does feel like a collaborative effort. So what I'm doing or what we, me with like the other actors, we were creating something with everyone else. This is not like an every man for himself kind of right. Job. So it's pretty, it's pretty fantastic. Um, and everybody has like a really different process, you know, and that to me has been a lot of fun too. Like how? Well, like my, my process has sort of changed a bit because of the show where I like, oh, you asked me earlier about like, um, I forget what you asked me about because I'm only half listening. I'm just using it as a springboard to start. I understand. I felt sure. really fast. Yeah. Um, Not a problem. No. <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> That's all this is. It's like, I should probably ask you some things, but you know what? This is a, a chance for me to talk about myself right now. Yeah. Would you please take the opportunity? Yeah. To talk about yourself <laughs> as an actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> since I've been doing it as a little kid, like there's things like um, I learn my lines really fast. Cause I've been doing that. I have that muscle memory from being a very young kid. I like can hit a mark without ever looking down or I don't even know. I don't even know where they put it down. I'll just end up there these kind of like weird little things. So I, on this show, I learned my lines like the morning of, I don't even look at them. I look at them like very briefly, I glance at them once or twice and go, okay, I think I've the scene. And then we just sort of figure it out on the fly. Mine is a little more like, I don't know, not, not at all planned. I know what the words are. Let's see what the room looks like. Let's see what the other actor does. And let's like throw some shit and add it and play. And then someone like Jay wants to basically talk about her 
like everything. She's, you know, she comes from theater a lot, so she wants to talk about why her character does something and, you know, what the scene means and where it's going and blah, 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 that I just don't want to, like, think about. What about Jeremy? Jeremy, Jeremy, he, there's parts, he's a little more, it's a little more complex because a lot of people just immediately say he's method and uh, he would say that he's not, but I don't know, for all intents and purposes, I feel like he kind of is. But the things he doesn't want to know sometimes, um, you know, he doesn't want to know if the other actor is going to do blank. Um, that would mess him up. Uh, sometimes he doesn't want you to say the certain words, like don't call it a scene or things like that. So it can be pretty particular sometimes. Uh, and then usually what my job is, this is to sort of like poke fun at him and try to break down that little wall. Like, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, this scene, uh, in this scene that we're going to rehearse and then shoot because it's a fucking TV show. Um, like, I, I like to do that to him sometimes. Uh, how, how does he respond to that? Sometimes, well, so if Kendall is in a really good place, then Jeremy is in a much more sort of like, we're going to bebop and scat this scene kind of thing. Right. And if Kendall's in a dark place, then it's very much don't talk to him. Right. Um, so that has its own challenges too. But again, you, you, I've been doing this for over 30 years. So it's like learning people's processes and how to respect them. Sometimes for me, it's a lot more fun when another actor walks in a room, like Snook and I have done a few scenes where we kind of know the lines, but the scene sort of changes and develops because we just throw different things at each other. Right. And like, you know, I slapped her once and she put me in a headlock. Like we just sort of came up with that. Right. And that kind of stuff is fun. Cause we're just trying to like play with each other. And so with Jeremy, sometimes it's a little less like of a, 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 sometimes it can be if it's appropriate for his character. And sometimes he's like, he's put himself in a bubble and I have to work with that. And I just have to approach it from sort of a different angle. But the we result, don't mind. no, the result is usually like good. It just, it's like, you know, I can't approach it the way that I otherwise would sort of like, but I adjusted to it and we figured out how to work that way. What about working with Brian? Brian is a freaking dream. Um, he and Snook are the furthest from their characters in the show. Like Brian is about the most approachable man. He's like a big cuddly teddy bear. Yeah, I I, I interviewed him. I, I love him. He's a real sweetheart. Yeah. For the show, or was it a couple of years ago, or what? No, no, it was not that long ago. It was okay. for when he was up for uh, what was he the last awards? Maybe uh, the Globes, probably before the Globes. Yeah. So like within the last six months. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's really fantastic. He's a guy that can sort of just like turn it on. So Matthew McFadden is this way too, where you know you can just be chit chat, chit chat, action, and then they're just in that character without any seemingly any effort whatsoever. Well, I think that like you, you know it's that weird kind of uh, British training. Yes. I mean, some of it. I don't. I don't. I well, Snook is from uh, Australia, but it seems like there's something about. Certain people, the way they... Well, it's like that dumb old story you hear about uh, Olivier and Hoffman on the set of Marathon Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just seems like some of the training that the English stage actors have, they're, 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 they they can just... It's a job. And it's like, I know the guy. I can be the guy right now, you know? Well, so, so here's the thing when it comes to, like, you know, so Jeremy's process versus, like, say, Brian or Matthew is... Um, as long as we're getting the result, who gives a shit, right? Right. Like, yeah. just sometimes I've heard of people that do make things very heavy and are kind of method, and then you watch the movie and you go, well, what the hell, is, what was all that work for? That's not that great. Like, this is, why do you torture everyone? Why do you make this yeah. up? Uh, and everybody on the show is so supportive of everybody else that, like, 
it's not like, you know, oh, Jeremy's being a burden or whatever. It's just he has a very specific process that sometimes requires a little like adjustment, which is fine because we, yeah. we want to we help him out. Sure. And it's like, you know, you're all, I mean, actors in general are fucking weirdos and you never know what the hell is going to happen. And, you know, <laughs> you're, you're on a set and you're like, what's wrong with that guy? It's like, I don't know. He's that guy. And I'm like, all right, well, uh, well I guess he'll go sit in his trailer and do whatever he's got to do then. Yeah. And that's that nobody's, nobody's a shitty guy either. I think it'd be one thing if somebody was being, you know, method and, and very demanding. And then on top of that, they were just a prick or something like it's not. Does that, but I guess that really happens. I've never, like, I haven't been acting that long in any professional way. So, you know, my, most of my life has been stand up. But when I hear stories about certain people, I'm, it's just so fucking amazing to me, but you've been doing it 30 years. So you probably had to work with real fucking assholes. I don't really think I have really not. Oh, that's good. I've, I've gotten kind of lucky with that. Um, I've had like a couple of directors in theater that have, I've sort of butted heads with. Right. But that's kind of it. That's no, like, but I just mean the kind of actors that are like, well, he's not going to come out of his trailer. Like you're somebody who makes an entire cast, an entire set wait two hours because for no reason. Like, I, don't... I did a, I did a movie as like a teenager and um, Meryl Streep with Meryl Streep. She was called to the set last and she was like, oh, is everyone waiting for me? And in a very polite way, she turned to the AD and said, could you just please make sure that never happens again? I don't want anybody waiting for me. Call me when you call everybody else. <laughs> and it was like really nice. And I remember I learned from that, like, okay, cool. Cause she's number one on the call sheet. She's the whole reason this movie is happening and she does not want special treatment. Don't do that. And I remember Steve Martin doing the same as a kid, too. I learned that as a kid. Like, oh, you can be the guy in charge and be nice. Um, right, right. I just, I don't know what, I don't know the type of person that just knows that they're making someone wait and it's not important that they do it, but they're going to fucking do it anyways. Like, I, I don't know what that is. Why are people shitty sometimes? I don't know. Like, why, why are there shitty people? No, but I, I mean, I've, I've been shitty, but not in that way. You know, it's sort of like I want to get there and be shitty. You know, I, I don't need people waiting for me to be shitty. It's like, <laughs> I think people just want to swing their fucking dick. I don't know what I, it is. Yeah. Like, That's probably right. Who you know, the, the need years of therapy to find out it's because they were bullied as a kid, and now they're going to just bully everyone else and be a dick. I don't know. Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's I mean, that's it. I I I I mean, as many people as I've been around, and as a you know, and I've been a bully, and I've been bullied. I, I know both sides of that, but there's still like, given the 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 world we're living in and this particular president and everything else and all the craven motherfuckers that, you know, want to be loyal to him, even though he can't be loyal to anybody. There's still part of the human uh, psyche that I don't fucking get. I don't understand how these people fucking live with themselves, but they've been written about your show has a certain element of that. It's Shakespearean. It's Greek. It's been around. It's been people since the beginning of people, but I don't get it. Yeah, I know. And do you ever like try? Have you ever like like been? Uh, I've had a couple experiences where I'm, like I'll be at a bar and a guy just says something that's either like really racist or something, and I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna pretend that that's not really offensive, and I'm just gonna sort of talk to this person to try to understand them. Um, I've had that a couple of times, and it's interesting because it gives me a better understanding of where they come from. But then I still think, but you're you're still just a shitty person. There's like a certain. I think my. Godfather said something too, like, you know, he goes, he says, I just can't listen to anybody who complains about their childhood after the age of 30. Right. Like, like at this point, <laughs> figure it out. Um, so there's people like, you know, I had a conversation with a guy in a bar years ago, but he was like 25, 26, and he didn't believe in gay marriage. And I just talked to him about it. 
and I wanted to hear his point. His point didn't make any sense. So instead of being like, you're an idiot and your point doesn't make any sense, I, uh, this is actually kind of one of those things I, I don't want it to come off as like braggy, but I changed his mind in the conversation because his logic just sort of didn't make sense, but he thought he was coming from a good place. He was like, no, no, it's okay. He was saying, I think if gay people get married, this is literally what he said. He goes, I think if gay people start getting married, it sort of promotes it. And then people that might not have come out of the closet uh, are now going to come out of the closet. And that means there's going to be more gay people. And I said, okay, now can I ask you what's wrong with that? And he said, well, I think as Americans, it's our job to create more Americans. Other countries are procreating uh, and we're just not making as many babies. And if there's um, a lot of more gay people out there getting married, they're just not making babies. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. So your, your issue is that you want more Americans to be made. And he said, yeah. And I said, so my wife and I have decided that we don't want to have kids. And he went, uh-huh. And I said, so do you have an issue with straight people not having kids? And he was like, no. And I just sort of looked at him like this. And he went, no, that's interesting. That's a, yeah, you know what? That's really a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, why shouldn't they get married? I guess that's sort of, Hey man, this was a really good talk. Uh, yeah, you too. And I walked away going, was it really that simple? He just needed to talk to one person about his logic. Like that's it. I think that sometimes that is it, depending on you know, like if it's based on them, if it's based on a, an intellectual fault. Like you know, some people have real feelings that were wired into them that are very hard to 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 shake. But mm-hmm. when it's just sort of like he's he had this idea, clearly he was un- mildly uncomfortable with gay people. And, but yeah. that was the only thing driving the thought behind it. It wasn't like I hate them or whatever. It's just like I'm a little uncomfortable about it. It does make sense to me. And this is the reason I put together for why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was hinging on faulty. People want to be good. Like, so they think like they're approaching it. And um, but a lot of people aren't heard. I think there's, there's a lot of like, well, you're an idiot. And, you know, and that's I think. A lot of people are very defensive about their positions. Well, a lot of people are are shallow, stupid people and severely undereducated, even when basic shit. I was talking to my producer about this. Like, I was talking to a woman. I granted she was, you know, a personal trainer. I'm not expecting her to be a genius, but <laughs> well, you know, I'm an actor, you're a comedian. What are, what are, what's expected of us? Exactly. But <laughs> it was this idea that, like, you know, well, these rules keep changing around COVID. Like, there doesn't seem to be sort of any, you know, they don't seem to, like, they say you can do one thing one day and then the next week it's different. And she's criticizing it as if it means that they're waffling on on policy, whereas it's sort of like, no, that's how science works. They don't know what the fuck it is. So you're, you you know, we got to wait until they figure it out. I mean, it's better to err on the side of caution. But who would think that, like, I'm not going to believe Fauci because he goes back on his word. He's like, it's not going back on his word. They don't know what the fuck we're dealing with. Oh, my God. It's the fact that it's become at all political. It's just like, put the fucking mask on, wash your hands. That's, like, see, that's the thing I can't understand. Like when it comes down, like what I'm saying to you is like, there's certain elements of people, the stubbornness and the the shallowness of, of deciding that the mask is, is some sort of indication of American freedom is like, to me, it's like, what's what what the fuck went wrong with this many people? I know. Yeah, we're all sorts of fucked. That's 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 kind of the, the general I don't know what the hell is going to happen. Where are you going to move to? Oh, yeah. We're, we're apparently staying in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to bum me out. I, I heard that uh, Brian wants to do uh, Amadeus with you. Is that true? Have you heard? Uh, he did. He did tell me that. Yeah. Uh, I haven't actually looked at it. He told me he was going to send me a copy. Uh, that fucking pricks. He's thinking, speaking of pricks and shitty people. 
Um, no, wait, actually, I was going to say something about people being shitty on set. There was like, because I grew up watching people be really great. I, um, I did a movie when I was like 15 with Kevin Pollack, and I saw him recently, and he said something like, I'm really glad to see that you're still working 20 years later. And he goes, you know, the, the secret is, he goes, um, like, if you're good, you're good, whatever. There's tons of actors that are really good that'll get the part. He goes, but just be nice and be easy to work with and you, you'll actually stick around. He goes, that's the only reason I'm still here. <laughs> so, so he said, like, be, be good to work with and be a nice guy. That's very nice of Kevin. Because there are sometimes stories of people like, they'll be like, what happened to that actor? They're so good. And then later you find out they were fucking nuts on set. I'm like, oh, well, that's why. Yeah, well, no in, short- unless they're nuts and make a lot of people a lot of money. It seems there's a certain license that's given to those people for at least a while. It's like if you're an actor that's making a lot of people millions of dollars, they're like, hey, I don't care if he kills people in his trailer. You know, we don't know if that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. (laughs) But if you're just a character actor who's a pain in the ass, you're like, yeah, put him out to pasture on television and see if it works out. Just don't pull it off too soon. Like, wait until you're making, you know, hundreds of million dollars at sure. the box office. Then you can start being a prick. That, that's the lesson. That's usually what happens because it's like the last hobby, you know? It seems like the, the final hobby of the wealthy is sort of like, how can I really make people fucking hate me? There's part of me that thinks, well, they've earned it. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, you come off as kind of like you, that you, you seem like you're capable of being a dick. Sure, to people that deserve it, I guess, yeah. Um, <laughs> so if you said, like, I've been the bully and I've been bullied, I'm like, I've been the bully. I don't know if I've been bullied. Shit, never mind. No? No, I feel like people tried, and I'm, I've just always had, like, the smart mouth of, like, and, and I hide behind the fact that I'm so little that I'll pick a fight with a big guy right. at a bar because they're not going to hit me. If they punch me, I'm going to explode. Like, your, smelly, you know. uh, your smelly dad wasn't a bully? Oh, that's a good point. Um, not really with me or with us. I mean, some siblings. I can't really speak for the siblings. Yeah, it's crazy. Like having seven, seven of us, like all grew up in that with that sort of wolf pack mentality that I told you about, but all had very different experiences. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Have you guys? Um, have Have you seen any? Like, I know no one's shooting shit, but have you seen any uh, scripts for the next season? Nope, not at all. And I'm I'm one of those who just doesn't want to know anymore. I think I was very frustrated at the start of this process of like coming from theater and doing only films where I want to know my character like story arc um, and not being able to have that because first of all, it's TV. And second of all, there's just so many rewrites that come in sometimes in the middle of the night. I know, it's crazy. It's nuts, but I just go with it now. And now that's my preferred way of working. So you like, so I, the night before you, you're sort of like, can I get the pages in the morning? You know, how many, you know, is that honestly look like I'll see on the call sheet that it says, okay, we're doing that scene. I'm like, I kind of remember that from the table read. I'll look at it in the morning. Oh, but you guys do, then, you do do a table read. Yeah. Like weeks before, but they make a lot of changes and they do sometimes. I remember in the first season, um, there was a rewrite that came in at like three in the morning mm. and Brian had a lot of dialogue. It was like a big speech. And we did the first rehearsal and Brian just started doing the old version. And one of the writers came up to him and said, did you get the draft? And he goes, when did it come in? And he goes, uh, we sent it around three in the morning. He goes, if it's after 1030, I'm not doing it. And the writers went, fair enough. <laughs> so they don't give Brian rewrites after like 1030 or whatever it is at night. Because <laughs> he has a process that he's been working on for 60 something years where he works on it all night and prepares and then goes to sleep and shows up at work. And then they're like, now, now it's different. He goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad that we're in this fucking plague. I'd like to see it. Like, when are we going to get to see another one? You guys are all, you're going to be 50 by the time you. 
Uh, that's I know they're going to have to like write in a missing gap of a couple of years because I'm I've certainly aged in the last year with this like no sleep baby situation. Well, what uh, what is the plan? Is there a plan? There's I think the plan is loose. Like there's nothing concrete. I think that's one thing they asked us not to talk about. But right. I'll fuck it. Say like it's sort of like the loose plan is to start shooting late October, but who the fuck knows? That seems to be um, a lot of. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of the late October business with the, like with my show. They're like, we're not going to do anything until 2021 because everyone's got to touch each other in our show, so they got to have whatever they're going to have, you know, devised or the, the safety has got to be pretty tight to do a wrestling show, you know. Because there's also going to be, I'm guessing on your show, there's like wrestling, um, uh, like coordinators, like trainers, anything like that. Like, yeah, in, yeah, Chavo's, got, Chavo's there every day. Oh, Chavo works on your show. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. He's doing the. He's the coach, man. He's telling. He's teaching them how to wrestle. There's Chavo and uh, two stunt coordinators, but it's all Chavo. Chavo's. That's you're in good hands with that guy. That guy really knows what he's doing. Um, that's really cool. Yeah, but so everybody kind of has to like self quarantine together. And there's things of like. Because that's what I heard. There's like there's like okay, we'll just put all the actors and that, like the whole crew into one hotel and you quarantine together and you can't interact with anybody. I'm like, but what about like my family? Can they come? And then do, I don't know. Then there's the daily tests and things. Um, there's teams of people working on that, and I'm sort of trusting that uh, we have some people in our cast that are in a high risk. So right. We, we have to be extra safe. Well, I, I think it's I think it's going to come down to those daily tests. I mean, that's what's got to go. That's what's got to happen. And the thing is, one motherfucker goes out and decides, like, I'm just going to go get a drink at this bar one night and comes back and tests positive. You shut down the whole production. Exactly. It's and can you trust fucking actors? I mean, come on. <laughs> no. no, no. But it seems like most of the people that you're working with are not. They're not, there's not, they're not kids. They, they're most of them are, you know, responsible people. They're not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Married people. Say. But, you know, who knows who's going to go out and someone's going to do something in their hotel room they shouldn't. Well, I mean, that's just life, isn't it? It is. You know, that's, living, that's, yeah. Yeah. Hotels aren't, <laughs> hotels aren't the real world. No. <laughs> so that's what happens in those rooms. Horrible horrible and then i feel like so vanilla when i like go away for work and then i like unpack my bag and i fold my shirts and put it away in this like cum covered dresser that's in the yeah, yeah. i bring my own tea kettle i have a collapsible <laughs> tea water boiler because i had heard that when you ask for one from the hotel there might there's an outside chance that someone boiled their fucking underwear in there to clean them that. I don't know, but it's it makes sense. It's like that that scene in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where he uses the sink to wash his John Candy washes his like filthy underwear. That I think about that anytime I'm in a, a not so nice hotel and I look at the sink and I'm like, I'm not. Oh yeah, man. Or just like bedspreads, you know? Like like I I know they're washing the sheets, but what about that fucking bedspread? I know. Oh, the bread. Yeah, that's the first thing that I do. I get rid of those that the pillows, the decorative pillow, anything that can't be washed. Yeah. And that's in the corner. Yeah. And then like jerk off on it. Yeah. Just, just for good minute. Just to put my. That's, I, well, it's clearly that's what everyone does. I mean, I, I think that's why we, we know better is that. Uh... Yeah. Fool me once, Sheets. I'm going to show you. <laughs> I'm going to show you what <laughs> come really looks like. It's a very weird thing uh, that if you, like, I don't know that everybody uh, appreciates what we're talking about, but I. I did. I wrote a, a piece in a in a book. I wrote about jerking off right on the floor of a hotel room. I mean, there's there's just some people we're fucking animals, I guess. But when I get into a hotel room, I'm not 
you know, I, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to come on the floor. Yeah. It's like, you know, sometimes you get the really nice one where he's like, oh, there's an ensuite. Well, okay. I'm going to have to drink up on the couch. I'm going to drink up in this chair. There's a bed. There's a shower. How many days am I here? Like, it's just sort of. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's what you do. It's like, okay, I got a shower. I got to order dinner first, jerk off on something. And then, yeah. Okay. Then I'll get the steak, I guess. And the peppercorns <laughs> off. That looks nice. Okay. Well, at least we know how to have fun in a hotel. <laughs> What else is there to do? I know. Work on my lines? Am I, am I supposed to like sit in a hotel room and work now? I was on a movie and I, I actually had, uh, for the first time, I had like a, a, a top-notch trailer. And uh, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, even these are kind of gross. Yeah. Even the good trailers, not great. Yeah. So you, where'd you jerk off on that one? I'm trying to remember if I even like it. it... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's tricky because sometimes it rocks the trailer. And then like when they find out later that you were in there by yourself, it's a little embarrassing. Yeah. Like this is rocking, but you cannot because I'm just in here by myself. I don't know how people get away with like you hear about on sets, like trailer business. Like, you know, because most of the time, if you're not at top of the call sheet, you know, you're, you're in a three, <laughs> there's like two or three yeah. people in the fucking trailer. What are you going to do? I don't actually like having, I haven't had a big trailer since I was like a kid basically. Yeah. And I don't like it. I, I like the little thing. I like, cause if, if I'm in there, I want to get the fuck out of there and be on set. Yeah. I can't, so I, actually, I, I never hang out in the trailer. I just change my clothes in there. I got to get out because it's like, it seems like they make it so you can't, they make it, I think because they know that actors are going to jerk off on things. There's never like, <laughs> there's never a comfortable, like the the beds or the couch are always sort of vinyly or shitty, you know, fake leather and you don't want to lay on them. And yeah, that's because it's easy to come off of it. That's why. That's right. I'm saying they yeah. make them as uncomfortable as possible because they're just actors are monsters or animals. <laughs> oh, so. What's the rest of the day now? What are you going to play with the kid? I would like to. I got some other, like, I try to, like, do oh. anytime there's stuff, I, like, pile it into one day right. so that I, like, get minus a day, most of a day with my baby so that I can play with her for the rest so of the day. So you got more press? It, this one was sort of the big one and the fun one, the one I was looking forward to. I did, like, a radio show yesterday, and I think by the third time I said, fuck, they winced, and I'm like, oh, are you bleeping me? I'm sorry. This is, like... I don't know how to not. Here I am talking about jerking off yeah. on certain surfaces that are very cleanable, and you know this is more my speed. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then you got the poor guy who's got his finger on the button, and they've only got the weird thing about those delays is every time you do it, it eats up the the time. Like you, there's only a certain amount of time you can delay in a in a chunk in in like a segment, right? So by the third fuck, they're like, we're not going to be able to save it. <laughs> it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, you too. Um, Fuck. I'd like to do this again. I don't know if you have repeat guests. We'll have it in a few years when I have a bigger trailer and I have more stories about. No, well, yeah, or, or we'll just hang out, man. When when we get through the plague, maybe we can just uh, you know have lunch or something. That sounds like a fucking thing. Yeah. Let's do that thing. Okay, buddy, I'll do it. Yeah. I like that guy, huh? Solid. He's exactly like you think he would be. Uh, Kieran is uh, nominated for an Emmy for the Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. You can watch both seasons of Succession on HBO On Demand and HBO Max. Now I got the Wawa pedal out. Let's lay into it.
Boomer lives. And so does Monkey and the Fonda. And all the angel cats.